0: I, I don't know if you know Joe Payne, but he pastors right here in this city, just planted not too long ago, and he's rocking it, and it's been fun just hanging out, talking with him over the years, and... And I'll tell you what, I know I this topic, I actually, when I read my own description, I'm like, wow, this sounds like a total nerd fest, you know what I'm saying? Like, look, like I, I thought, why would I ever go with this, this, this description, you know, and I, I anyway, so, uh, here's, here's the deal, this is what I want to do, is I want to, I want to just kind of hear, um... What are some of the things... I, I, I want to get to know you, and I know it's kind of awkward in a big room, because how am I going to do that? But, uh, uh, okay, let, let me just start by asking... A, a, we're going to do a little survey here, and you guys can raise your hands, okay? How many have never heard me before? Just, how, just raise your hands, okay? Oh, so, wow, okay. Nice to meet you. I'm really glad to, to meet you. Okay, how many have, have come to a breakout session that I've done before at some of art conference? Okay, so only okay, so the hard cars right here. All right, so um, how many of you are senior pastors, lead pastors, uh, whatever you like to call yourself nowadays? Okay, so um, all right, and how many of you? Okay, so here, let me let me just. Uh, this is this is going to sound awkward, but I want you guys to shout out some of the things you're interested in hearing about today. Or just raise your hand and say, "Hey, you know." And, and I can't promise that I'll be able to answer everything that you guys raise your hands for, but if I can address it in my session here today, as we as we kind of maneuver on this journey together, um, I'll try to do that. And then maybe we'll do a little extra Q and A, just have a little extra fun. And sometimes the Q and A is really the best part because it's not it's not even what's taught; it's what. Catch and it's all the you you maybe you're going to hear some things about our story that you're going to be able to relate to and you're going to be able to say, Oh my gosh, that is so like us, or that is absolutely not like us. And how in the world does that work? Uh, but just what are some of those maybe questions or those those pressure points that you're you're dealing with today? Just raise your hand real quick and I'll, I'll call on you. And any any questions that you would love just to hear answered, and, and if we don't have a whole lot, that's fine, just shout it out. Just
1: Yep. If you needed to, at the last second before you're launching, you know
0: how that, yeah. we put it over here, so. Yes, okay, so before launch, how would you prioritize the budget, Biggest bang for the buck, without killing yourself, and and that would be a never-ending tension for the staff, and uh, that's a great question. But perfect, getting in the back there. Uh, so we're here now,
1: and we have a model work set in the theater.
0: Uh, so what are some of the best ways, that we- Symbol, yep. And intended, but also make it okay, so portable church. How do you be professional in a portable environment in a limited window of time? And that, it, I, I like to think of that as like a game like, how can we be the best in the most imperfect environment? And oh man, uh, I can't say that we, we totally cracked that code, but boy, do I have some horror stories. So, okay, great question. Anybody else? Anything else that you want to hear about? Okay, so you're in like a historical sanctuary and you're trying to communicate to people that we've got that relevant gospel and you're trying to work with that? Is that kind of... Okay, okay. Yeah, great question. Well, we're doing that too. So, anything else that you guys have? Uh, way in the back, baseball cap. Making your space and what
1: you do, like and appropriate for the amount of people you have?
0: Yep. Lighting, okay. Appropriate for the amount of people, not too much. Not uh, to the point where everybody's uh, passing out and having seizures from your strobe lights. And yet, not just one light bulb, like a, you bought at Ikea, but you had the worship leader, okay, yeah. Yes, okay, so video in a, in a highlight auditorium. Okay, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna, we're, okay, so hold on to a lot of these questions. What I'll try to do is end on time, and of course I have my exec pastor, Pastor Nate Puccini, stand up for a second, okay? Uh, this is Nate Puccini, and I'll tell you what, this dude has saved my life, changed our church, uh, just a brilliant businessman, actually, he was a trustee in our church, and he, uh, by the time he was like 32, he had like 16 cell phone stores and 200 employees, and I asked him if he would quit and just join the church and be poor with me, and he said yes, can you believe it? You gotta ask people to do that because some of them actually believe you. It's incredible. Anyway, so Nate, I need you just to uh, keep me on target because I can kind of end in multiple ways and then do a little Q and A and we can kind of hit some of these things because all these technical questions. You know what's funny is, is they're technical questions but they matter. How many of you know technical things they matter? They affect, they affect our because we're, we're not just doing church, we're trying to give people a meditation, we're trying to help an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so, of course, we're trying to control that environment, and one of the ways that we do that is we control it with the lights, we control it with the volume, we control it with, we try to have things that are psychologically comforting and people come into our foyers, where people are parking, all those types of things. All of those little skills, they matter in creating comfort in order to get people to come to church. We actually had a guy, um, he drove through, we were uh, we were meeting at a, at a portable, uh, at a high school and this guy, he drove through the parking lot and left nine times because he had never really been to church in a long time and he, was, he wanted to go to church and he, he kept trying to hype himself up to go to this church and every single time he'd get into the parking lot he's like, don't go, don't go, don't go, leave, just go have breakfast and he would pull out of the parking lot and he did that nine times before he finally psyched himself up to actually go into the church Think about, like, the, the devil was just messing with him, saying, you're not going to like this, it's going to be all weirdos, they're going to hate you. There's so many things that, that that the devil is is lying to people, and so sometimes those tiny little obstructions uh, that we can remove, those barriers that we can remove, uh, are, are the biggest difference maker before people can experience God. And and a lot of times, those things can be technology. I, I've never been, technology is just a tool, it's neither good nor bad. You can use it for, you can get it too caught up in it or not caught up in it enough, you can, you know, it's like, it's like a butter knife. You can use it to make peanut butter sandwiches for the neighbor kids or you can kill your neighbor kids with it. You know what I'm saying? It's just a tool and you can either use it well or use it poorly. And so when we talk about these types of things, uh, just, we have to be able to put it all into context and just uh, speaking of context, I want to give you a little backstory because I know that many of you guys maybe have never heard me before, but I, I, I pastor a church called Substance. It was actually our church plant number 15. And so uh, we kind of go way back before they had any standards. I snuck right in right before they decided to really look for real leaders. And, and then all of a sudden, I, uh, I, which I got in. It was perfect timing. And I, I, so about 13 years ago, substance was actually not my first senior pastorate. Um, believe it or not, I, I pastored a church for the better half of 10 years before I resigned it and planted substance. And um, after really uh, just learning a lot, About senior pastoring and and kind of really understanding myself, what my real calling was, Uh, we ended up moving three hours away uh, to the heart of the Twin Cities, and uh, if you don't really know uh, much about Minneapolis, it's it's one of the most youthful um, metropolitan cities in the United States, Um, over really 68% of the city is under 34 of the three and a half million. And so, and it's also one of the top immigration hubs into the United States right now. And so, um, we we have you know like we have a major ISIS problem. We have they, they built a new FBI headquarters just to deal with. Um, uh, really ISIS recruiting and things like that. And so it's kind of a unique context uh, to pastor. And of course, our, our church actually mirrors the city. So 63% of the people that come to our campuses are under 30 right now in our church. And uh, because of that, what, what, I, what what's interesting about that is we're able to get away with things that a lot of churches could never get away with. Um, I could have never led my former church the way I'm leading my current church because uh, it was just way, more, the age demographics were way more diverse. And so because we have so many young people in our church we can do crazy things like have djs in our foyers and we can do all electronic dance music worship if we wanted to it's just we have we have rap artists we have all these we can do all these things that maybe would be pushing the envelope in other churches but for us it it feels natural and so not surprisingly we get a lot of um, unchurched folks so about 43 percent of our current attendees didn't go to any church of any kind even two years ago and so uh, some of our, we, we, have, we have actually even one of our campuses, we, with our recent survey, we had 15% that were in or coming out of LGBTQIA um, lifestyle. And so there, there's, there's, you know, it, it's such a great tension to have in the church because all of a sudden what, what that tension does is it drives people towards scripture. And I actually love having a good amount of tension. I actually don't want my church to get comfortable, too comfortable. I want there to be tension because it drives people to Scripture. And so um, out of, because we had so many unchurched people, they nobody had really even heard of the word tithing. I mean, um, just to give you, I, I always like to give people perspective. When, when our church first broke 2,000 members, we only had 80 people giving anything. And I knew it was bad when my nine-year-old daughter, um, she got a letter, we were sending out a letter to our top 100 givers. And uh, she got one of the letters. and I thought, this has to be a mistake. How did my nine-year-old make it into our top 100 givers? And, I, and, and, and And my first thought was, where's she getting the money? And, and then my next thought was, oh no, it's really that bad. you know what I'm saying? Like it was really that bad. And so out of, out of economic survival, we had to be the most economically efficient church in the world. You know what I'm saying? Probably not really, but because in America, okay. I, I felt like we had to do everything cheap. And yet the problem is I'm a creative. I'm into aesthetics. If if it were up to me, I would literally enclose people in a 360 degree video wall. You know what I'm saying? If I could afford it, I would do it. I was just like but, but but we can't. We can barely afford a junky par can light that just kind of um, lights the carpet on fire every once in a while. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we have nothing. And, and I think the hardest thing for me was going from a church that had a lot of resources to all of a sudden starting from scratch and we nothing. And then even worse, even when we could afford it, we couldn't fit it into our trailer, or the or the school system that we were renting wouldn't allow us to mount it, and it was it would be like the most frustrating thing because it wasn't just the money that was affecting us. It was the it was the simplicity for volunteers. It was does the janitor at the school system like it? Does the you know, community education person like it? Does the principal like it? Does, you know, how can we do it without destroying it? And I mean, come on, when you're a portable church in um, frigid below zero weather in in, in Minnesota, like. I'm I'm just telling you, like, I literally had to have a blow dryer. We had, like, a lock freezing protocol where you had to cut the locks off. I had to, like, like, okay, when you're out there in negative 14, getting up at 4 a.m. to move semis of, of, of stereo speakers and things like that into these grungy places, I'm telling you, you have to be committed. You have to love people. Or you're just going to be mad all the time. And there's actually, and there's a lot of Minnesotans that are mad. We look like we're mad, but we're just trying to cover our teeth from freezing. You know what I mean? Like, it's a real thing. The struggle is real, folks. But anyway, I just, uh, so just to kind of give you a a, a sense of how we did it, um, because we had no money to buy any buildings... And because we had zero control, we had to become portable multi-site video church just out of economic necessity because I also couldn't afford to hire anybody either. And so um, it was just one of those situations where we, we I, I didn't even, I didn't do video campus because I liked it, fact, like I hated it. And I didn't even know if I believed in it, but we had to because we had no other choice. This was our the only alternative was uh, win the lottery. You know what I'm saying? Which wasn't happening. So we we ended up. What we did was is we we leased out a like a 300 seat TV studio that we didn't own, and we filmed our services on Saturday nights to an audience well, of about 250 people. And uh, we, so we filmed that service, and then as we started growing, we, we had three different portable theaters, and so we did two services at a 1300 seat um, theater, college theater, two at a, at a 750 seat theater, two at a 650 seat theater, and so we were doing decentralized multi-site, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and I'm going to be honest, for being an artistic church, you know, like everybody, everybody knew that my background was music producing, and my background, I love video editing, and, and the, I'm kind of a, a secret closet nerd. I'm really into nerdy stuff. I really, I, I feel like I'm a multimedia pastor stuck in a senior pastorate, um, for lack of a better expression. And so, uh, but I, so I'm into these things and yet, you know what would be so frustrating is that to know what quality is and not be able to get it. Ah. And then, and then, like every single week, we wanted to get more complex, but we couldn't because in a portable environment, things break all the time. I swear, there was a volunteer just back there breaking everything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like we, like we were. My hopes were that the microphone might work. You know what I'm saying? And so the idea of doing like cool projectors and motion yield lights. I mean, like that was like, oh my gosh, for. Get it? You know what I'm saying? It just felt like that. that there's no way that's going to happen. And of course, I'm um, thankfully. I want to encourage you guys. Listen, God is faithful. At the proper time, you will reap a harvest. And I, I believe that, that that harvest will also eventually figure out how to contribute money. And that finances will also eventually give way to, to you, uh, for your ministry to be able to add assets, to be able to add lights, to be able to add uh, projectors, to be able to add all these things. And, 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 and it's taken me, it's taken, it's taken our church, you know, 13 years, 593 Sundays of portability. Who's counting? But you know what I mean? It took, it took us a while to get, to close that gap, to get to the point where we could be quality in, in everything that we do. But you know what? All I say is, whatever you got, be faithful in those little things because at the end of the day, nobody left your church because, well, my family really requires 35 motion yoke lights and we just need to go to the church. Nobody's ever left a church saying that, have they? No, they, they don't, they don't, yeah, well, I don't want to look at the Bible verses on huh? them. I'm a 5K projector, I need a 12K laser or a you wall. So we're gonna go to look at the different churches. Nobody's ever left a church like that, right? Nobody's. They, people leave churches because they don't feel like they have any friends. They leave churches because they don't feel like they have ownership in a ministry, and I'm telling you, people will show up if you love them. Yeah. Yeah. And so the real truth is, whether you have a video wall or not doesn't matter. Whether you have all—I mean, in some ways—the real secret to this session is everything that I just talked about in the title really actually doesn't matter. Well, well didn't you just say, Peter, that it doesn't matter in the beginning? Yeah, it does matter. Okay? We, we know it matters. We know that there's professionalism and excellence speaks the truth. But it's kind of like I've told pastors all along. The number one statistical predictor of church satisfaction is this. How many friends your current church attendees have at any given moment? If they had three or more church atten- if they, if, if they had three or more best friends in your church, they have a 98% chance of being very satisfied with your church. Come on, think about that. I think we've all been to churches where we... Have you ever had that one Christian friend who goes to that really, really lame church where the preaching is awful, the facilities are awful, the church governance is backwards, and everything about it is not even bearing fruit. And you're like, why are you going there? And they say, because I've got some good friends there. Because I feel like I'm making a difference. You see, at the end of the day, it's ministry opportunity and friendship opportunity that make or break a church. And so, even when we had zero decent lights and zero professionalism, not because we didn't have a heart for it, but because we just had limited resources in a, in a tricky environment. I'm saying, if you can become experts in those two things, and so in some ways, the greatest way to build the technology of your church is nothing more than pastor people and give them a good ministry out there. That's it. That's it. Like, if you can literally just be great at those things, God is going to just, at some point or another, he's going, to, he's going to open up his hand and he's going to give you all sorts of uh, ministry toys that you never thought possible. And so I, I, I want to, and I, right now, actually, so what we did was we reconsolidated our campuses into two larger um, sites. And so we have a 1,300-seater in downtown Minneapolis, and then we have like a big box campus like this on the north suburbs. And, and we're able to, uh, and, and just to kind of give you some context to our our big box campus has all like the bells and whistles. It has the 46 foot video wall and all the motion lit lights. in our downtown It's just totally uh, grungy. You know what I'm saying? It's a it's a 125 year old building. With, it, it, don't get me wrong. It's gorgeous. It has like a glass dome over the auditorium. Uh, but it's you know it's older than old. And we have not even begun to uh, deal with all of the lighting issues. It has because it has these gorgeous glass cupolas. It makes everything look washed out. Our lights are terrible. So even now, even in the midst of this, I, I'm, I'm sharing this with you because you will always, always, always feel like, ah, oh, if only we had blah, this. If we could just close the gap. So I'm looking, every time I go to our downtown campus, I'm like, oh, this is so you know what I'm saying? Like we gotta get, we gotta update this. We gotta be able to figure out a way to get, you know, some cool window shades and to control the lighting environment. So you're always gonna have that tension. But once again, go right back to first things first. You pastor people well, and you give them ownership of the ministry. God will entrust you with all sorts of toys. And, uh, in fact, uh, like I, I, literally have, have the, the miracle stories of how God has even provided for our church. Uh, just a real quick one. Um. My, uh, so my, I've got three kids. My second daughter, uh, her name is True, and she's got this really crazy, strong, um, prophetic gift on her life. And, and she, she literally, uh, she, she'll, she'll do these crazy things since so the time she was nine. She would actually call out certain things like, um, she'd be like, Daddy, uh, the Lord spoke to me, yeah, see that person with the, the, uh, the crutches? The Lord spoke to me that he's going to heal them on Friday. And, uh, and then suddenly they would, before they, she didn't even know what was going on in life, and they would get healed, and I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, she called it!" And at first I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what to think about this, and, and yet she kept doing this. Like she, like the day we put our house on the market to go uh, for sale, it was right in the middle of the housing bust, and so it was 159 day sale time in our neighborhood to put your house on the market. And I told my wife this the day we put it on the market. I'm like, "Baby, just don't get your hopes up that it's going to sell super fast. It's 159 day average." And she's like, "Okay, that's cool." And then my daughter chose. Says no, 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 Dad. No. The Lord told me our house is going to sell in exactly five days for your asking price, and, and uh, from today, it, like she goes, yeah. The Lord, He said, not on Saturday, but on Sunday. Actually, the Lord said that you're going to be depressed on Saturday and happy on Sunday. And uh, and I'm like, like who is this? Have you know ever looked at your own kids and thought, man, they're weird? You know what I'm Um. And sure enough, we didn't open house on Saturday, and everybody ripped on our house. I can't believe they were even asking this price for it. And then Sunday, we got the asking price, exactly as my daughter called out. It kind of freaked me out, okay? So, same thing happened. We were in the middle of um, Minneapolis. Minneapolis is kind of a very hostile city to churches. In fact, it's almost impossible for churches to even buy property because there's so much zoning discrimination. If you can't make it through, like, three years of, of a federal lawsuit, it's just hard to buy property, and so we we tried to buy property nine times. Every time we did get it, we'd spend you know sometimes fifteen to forty thousand dollars betting a property, and then the city would just illegally shut it down. And so we had we had we had eight nine properties fall through like this. And every time it would fall through, it'd be like another six month nine month delay. And, and we were at the time we were capped, and uh, I was so depressed, and because the quality we had just didn't match up with the quality in my heart. And I, there's that tension, and I wanted better for our people, and yet I couldn't provide it. And of course, you know, when you're ever when you're in the midst of that, there's always those naysayers and those people that leave, and we had worship leaders who left. and we had—I mean, it just felt like, like a never-ending flood of people hiring our staff, and it was just—it was just—it was an awful season for us, and, and we just were in a plateau. I was depressed, um, and in the midst of that dark season. Um, my daughter came up to me again and she said, Daddy, the Lord doesn't want you to be discouraged. In fact, He wants you to be encouraged. Um, he actually told me that you're going to find a building by this time next Thursday that you're going to buy, and He's going to provide it for you supernaturally. And she goes, it has a balcony in it, and it's covered in red. And of course, you know, after what my daughter had done before, I don't even know you listened to her a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what kind was it? You know, so and, and she just said, and I kind of, I, I almost laughed. I literally almost laughed. And right before I almost laughed, all of a sudden, that, that scripture verse out of Genesis 18, where, where God rebuked Sarah when he told her that she going to have a baby, and she almost laughed. And he, he said, "Like, Is anything impossible for me? The answer is no. And immediately, I stopped myself and I'm like, God, if you want to provide for me a building with a balcony covered in red by this time next Thursday, then so be it. And keep in mind, I don't have any real estate meetings planned. I'm busy. I don't Like, how in the world am I supposed to make this happen? It's just no way. And, and so I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm struggling through all of this. And um, all of a sudden, you know, the next couple days passed and nothing happened. And I thought, well, you know, you're kind of like, is this that moment when I'm left to explain to my daughter? You don't know, always hear from the Lord sometimes. You know what Like, is this that moment? Sometimes. You see, I got an overactive imagination, and sometimes, you know, like, is like that moment? And, and well, okay, so then all of a sudden, here it is, it's next week. That yeah, Thursday is fast approaching, now it's Tuesday before that Thursday. And and I get a phone call from our our, our finance guy, and, and he says, Pastor, I totally forgot to tell you that we were doing a site visit. In downtown Minneapolis this historical uh, building and uh, I, I, I know this is inconvenient but do you think you could join us today and I'm like shut up you're seeing a movie and it, in, in downtown I was like yeah could you come and I'm like yeah so and my daughter heard me on the phone and she was daddy you're looking at a building aren't you <laughs> and, and I'm like yeah uh, uh, she, goes, she goes remember it has a balcony it's covered in red and she goes, oh, and the Lord also told me, like, as if for forgot. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> she goes, the Lord also told me, you'll know this is the one that he's going to provide you when you look up and you say, wow. Remember that. And I thought that's the weirdest thing ever because, you know, most places you look up, you don't say, wow. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, you know, most places you don't look up and you say, you know. So, so there I was in downtown Minneapolis and I got to, I, uh, this is kind of a spontaneous thing. So I got to try to figure out how to show you this picture. And this is that awkward moment that I didn't prep for, um, and there it is. Okay, Brr. Nate Puccini, could you help me with iPads? He sold iPads, and so he should be able to figure this out. Can you just can you get the... So I'm in I'm in downtown. Just that top room. Yeah, it's giving me grief for some reason. Anyway, so I'm in downtown. And I'm looking at this historic, this building called Historic Wesley, 125 year old. Well, it used to be one of the largest churches in the world in like 1905. It was built in by my Civil War contemporaries, and uh, and I walked into the auditorium as this gorgeous glass cupola dome over this. You know, huge 1300 cedar. And I look up and I said, wow, I'm the word wow. People like, I freak out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just said, wow. I just said, wow. Here, just, okay, I know you can't really see this, but it's literally the most, whoa, it's literally, could you be like, make a yes. for me? Okay. And, like, oh. and just walk it across the front so everybody can see it. As this gorgeous glass dome, so and I, I saw it, and when I said, I I freak out and I started snapping all these pictures. Okay? So now you know where I'm going with this, right? The next picture. Um, So, uh, I, when I, when my daughter was at school, she knew I was looking at a building and she wanted to verify that this is the one that the Lord was going to give to us, and so she drew a very detailed picture of what it had to look like, and she was going to give it to me after school as reference point for me to know if I saw this, the right one, or if I saw the wrong one, then... Then, all right wait until Thursday and so um, so she drew this picture and she came up to me and when I saw the picture on her hand I freaked out because it was almost identical to the picture I took four hours earlier and it's this gorgeous curved balcony that they can't even they don't even make those things anymore because you need shipbuilders to do it old-school shipbuilders and she she literally had the symmetry of the arc of the balcony identical to you can walk it back just so that everybody can see it. It's just crazy. You gotta see this. You gotta see this. It was it was identical to the picture. And I, I kind of freaked out in that moment and I thought, Lord, is this for real? And sure enough, I, I called up our trustees and I'm like, we've got to figure out how to do it. And we got this building that could easily cost tens of millions of dollars for only $2 million. And God, my, my point is this. God can fast forward things in our lives like this. Convinced that the real thing that God is looking for in our lives is—is is, is, like we're, we're praying for money, and God's up to them. It's like I got it. What you need, what you need, is a media ministry worthy of the resources I want to entrust to you they would fuck, right? Like God's up in them and say, Peter, I got all the crazy stuff for your worship band. What you need is to have a worship band that doesn't have all these mercenaries in it, that actually have character, that don't have big giant egos. Nobody quits the parking lot ministry because they wouldn't let them on it. You know what I'm saying, right? Nobody quits the church because they couldn't get on the parking lot of ministry. But why is worship ministry different? Why is media and art different? Because we like to get our egos all up in our arts. And I think, actually, the biggest hindrances to our, our resources and our assets have nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with character. Do yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's, growth is not the problem. It's growability. Okay? Promotion is not the problem. Promotability is the problem. Yeah. Are you hearing me? Yeah. It's character. Do, it, 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 do we have the character worthy of the assets? And I know that sounds kind of weird, but uh, I actually made a commitment in my heart to stop praying for assets, to stop praying for things. Because I actually believe that, that it, orients the, it orients our hearts in the wrong direction. What, what we should be is praying, is Lord, I pray that you would enable, I, I pray that I would glorify you so thoroughly that you, you couldn't help but to give me more resources to do it. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I want you to change. If, if you haven't changed the way that you've prayed, I want you to do so because I, Nate, why don't you come on back up here with that. Um, I, I want you to, to, to change that because, uh, you know what? If I could just say this on behalf of the senior pastors in this room today, uh, my my staff are always begging me for thanks, begging me for money. And, and I haven't planted the church. I spend every dollar as though it's coming out of my paycheck why because for years and years and years it was and there was nothing more maddening than when the sound guy would say we can't do church without this DDX drive rack and we just need it it's yeah. got all the eQs and the H1 compression pressure shows and I need the hypercartoid flux capacitor microphone and just you know trying to he would, always try, he would always try to speak that way to me because they thought I didn't know what they were talking about. And half the time, I'm like, dude, go back to the studio and learn a little bit. I knew I knew, what, I knew. more than he did. And yet, he would always say, oh, i got to have this. And so finally, I literally fork it out of my own salary to get it. And then that guy quits the church two months later, right? And then the next time, uh, guy's like, I don't even know why we bought this. This is the dumbest device ever. Everybody knows that blah, 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 blah. blah. We don't use 80 in years. We use, you know, momentum in ears. And we, no, 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 we don't even use ears. I don't even know what that meant, uh, but I'm just saying we, we just like I, I, I just don't harass your senior pastors over this kind of stuff. I really believe that if you really just have a great ministry, that your senior pastors will naturally want to throw more fuel on it. That's just the fact. It, for years, my my worship director wanted us to do an album, and I'm like, we don't have. The worship team worthy of an album yet. Yeah. Just don't, don't do it to stroke your ego. Prove to me that we have a good sons and daughters of the house. None of these mercenaries. I don't want all this. Like, you know, I, I just I I I almost hate how art stuff can be in churches. And, and I'm like, I want every person in our ministry to be committed to the house for at least several years. I don't even want them on any album. We're not going to do any album with people like that. We're not going to do this just to make our, our church feel like we're accomplishing big things. You know what I'm saying? No, that's a waste of money. Prove to me there's a kingdom value to this, that you're going to use this opportunity to truly grow your ministry. And so I, uh, are we doing all right? Is this the microphone? Uh, one minute. One one. And then we'll minute. go to Q&A. All right. Sounds good. Do you, do you, are you hearing my heart here, though? Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I actually think if we could just focus on the fundamentals. Pastor your people well. Build your teams well. Create ownership with them. Have a character worthy of assets. God will give them to you. Because they, and there will always, 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 always be something you never have you wish you had. And, you know, what's funny is, the moment God gave us the 46-foot video wall that's, you know, 13 feet high, you know, the truth is, all I can think about is, Man, what if it was 21 feet high? You know what I'm saying? There's just another level. And you, you just don't, I, I say, don't ever allow technology to be the thing. And, and the more it's not, then all of a sudden you know how to use technology in the appropriate way as a tool to enhance. It, it's really, I, I want to buy an extra light because I want that extra lighting to have something to do in this free time. Do you hear? The whole, the whole orientation is different. I, I, I want more complex lighting systems because I want to create an entire team of, of VJs who can just VJ on the video wall while my DJs need worship in our church. And I'm saying, i the only reason why we have DJs is because I want them to have an opportunity to lead as well in church. I just don't want it to be this guitar-centric thing. And So I'm trying to create ministry opportunities. But what comes first? People. People come first. Technology, we're buying a great DJ controller only because we have so many DJs getting saved in our church and we wanna we want them playing we want them spinning on the best i of saying so we're getting so, but that's why, that's the motivation behind why we buy the technology. Not because, you know, all churches must have great turntables. You know what I'm saying? Right? Nobody in their right mind would ever say that, but you know what? We're equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Yeah, yeah. And when you have that orientation, God will just keep giving you more cool stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, so let's do a little QA. And uh, some of the, the, the people that asked questions earlier, if you could just actually ask the question again in the microphone, so that way we have a little more time to, to hit it. So Joe, why don't you just kind so of run Peter, out? just one yeah. quick question. Yep. Aren't you
1: guys working on a substance album? Yeah.
0: Yes, yes we are. We, we are actually, so we keep getting all these uh, electronic dance music DJs and rappers saying in our church, like turn-tables. okay, not like disc junkies. Hey there, the weather is blah. Okay, but I'm talking like real artists, turntablists that can do crazy stuff. And so what we decided to do is do like kind of an, an electronic, like a progressive house oriented dance music oriented to worship album Substance.io, so October 5th everywhere. No, yeah. So we are doing a we are doing an album. Then we're actually—the the ultimate goal is to do a pure, um, all DJ-led EDM worship experience. So uh, we're we're really trying to blaze some trails there. But that album will be coming later. Uh, but Substance I O is—it's that—it has a lot of rap and dance in it, and it's just—it's gonna really be out of the box. So we're really pumped about it. So yeah. That's
1: awesome. Wasn't that amazing, guys? Yeah. Folks, promotability is very important, and we all, I mean, I'm a church planner. I'm about to go three years in. We all want the stuff, but it's, its its it goes way deeper than that. All right, so if you ask a question, I'm, I'm going to pass the mic to you, and then I want you to go ahead and clearly ask the question. We're going to be uh, sharing the audio for people that couldn't be here or people that want to re-listen to the app session. So here you go. Awesome stuff. Yeah, thank you. Uh, just uh, I guess getting on the technical side after yep Yeah. That. On that's uh, a bold side. If you were launching and you're thinking about uh, audio, video, uh, and uh, lighting, kind of the different elements. Yep. Uh, where would you? And maybe it's different from church to church. But yep. Any general thoughts on make sure this doesn't fall through the cracks? So before you upgrade to an in-ear system or all wireless, yeah, make sure your you know your screens are big enough.
0: Yeah, I I would encourage you when money is really tight be very 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 slow to upgrade everything because everything gets complex. So for example, um, uh, we actually launched with a sound system that was way too elaborate to even use. And none of our people could ever set it up, right? Because we had like passive monitors, or speak-on cables, and people would plug, you know, quarter-inch guitar cables into it, and then they'd crackle, and then it was like, you know, there was nothing more humiliating for me, as a sound engineer, to have to actually downgrade to JBL Eons, when we had this great system of, it was too, our system was too sophisticated for volunteers on a, on a weekly basis. And then there was this whole issue of, of, of portability, That just made everything maddeningly unsophisticated for us. And So um, one of the things that I always did is every portable uh, place we ever were in said no to us three times before they said yes. And so I always encourage planters just to be persistent. But they also will say no multiple times. Uh, about mounting your own equipment in, in their facility. What I wish I would have done was I wish I would have just gone to whoever we were renting from at the time and said, hey, can we buy a sound system? We'll give it to you if we can just permanently mount it and use it every week that we rent. Because you know what? That stuff gets so beat up. If you just hold on to it thinking you're going to hold on to assets, it's so beat up you can't even give it away within two years. And so I wish I would have just actually purchased all of the equipment and permanently mounted it so that it wouldn't have been as complicated to set up on a portable environment we could have gotten way more sophisticated and so i would say this there's no real answer to that because it's based on how quick and ready you are to scale Uh, if you have the team that can use it adequately and you can pack it well um, then go for it i would never you know don't, don't try to launch like Hillsong with a full LED wall. And obviously, if you're loaded with cash, then you can burn then go for it. But I'm just saying, uh, most, most of us need to start small and just be faithful in little things and then just add as you have leaders. And just add lights as you have leaders to, to kind of play these at all. Because everything you own owns you. And so if you're not being mindful of that, you just don't want to get assets. Uh, Don't dream of a bigger building because let me tell you, you're going to have to hire a whole lot of staff for that too. So just be aware. There's always, nothing gets simpler. Nobody, when you buy things, everything gets more complex. It's just a fact. And so uh, don't lust after it until you really have the leadership infrastructure to maintain. Does that make sense? So. All right. um, Just
1: if you have a question, we have the mic going around in the back. Okay. Mic is back there. And uh, a mic will be handed to you.
0: Next question, anybody? All right, right there.
1: So I'm the production
0: director for my church. Okay. And
1: so right now what you were saying is uh, don't get it unless you have the leadership to carry.
0: Yep. It. Well,
1: right now I have lights and the screen and the camera and I have my guys
0: for it. Yeah.
1: My question is how do you cast vision to them? Because right now it's, oh, it's just church. Oh, it's just church. Oh, it's just church. I don't have to be... Excellent, and I don't have to try hard. I don't have to, yep. because we are normal
0: also, yep. and so they only, they're only seeing it as like, oh, well, if I get the lyrics wrong at the wrong time, it's not a big deal. Oh.
1: But in my like the way, I'm seeing it, like, oh. guys, this is the important <laughs> stuff, and they're volunteers, so it's like I'm not paying you, right? You know? so how do you cast it? How
0: do you well, let me encourage you with this. If you were paying them, they would probably do it worse. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't say that to be cynical, but uh, money actually doesn't motivate people more yes, in creative deadline-oriented jobs. And so don't don't ask your pastor for that $80 stipend to whoever, because generally they'll want just as much as they did before you paid them. And we've seen that across the board. In fact, we actually almost intentionally in our creative arts ministries uh, try to be slow to hire people until we can hire them full-time. But, like, we have, like, 90% of all of our worship people are, are non paid and we do that tediously because it also undercuts that weird mercenary, that incestuous thing where everybody, if you don't value me, I'm going to the church down the road and taking all my friends. And uh, I just, I will we won't even buy into that. We just, we won't even go there. Um, so, uh, the... How do you motivate them? Ultimately, you are the... (laughs) We all notice things when they fail, right? We all notice when the lyrics don't work. And, uh, you know, like there's spelling errors on the, you know, lyric transparency. I think at some point, setting the culture of your team and making it a matter of pride and dignity. And having the guts to uninvite volunteers... Is probably the hardest thing for any leader. But I, I believe that pruning, strategic pruning, is important. If you're not uninviting somebody from your ministry on a regular basis, you're, you, you have a ministry that has zero standards and zero culture. And so you have to have, you have to have the ability to have, so I I actually say every single week I tell our leaders, you have to be able to cast vision, tell them a story of somebody's life who has changed. And so you as leaders have to always have a new story, a fresh story from the previous week, which means it takes work for you to have a great story of somebody who just got saved last week and the the, the song changed their life or whatever. You have to be prepared with that, but you also have to be prepared to have a courageous conversation almost every single week in your ministry. And it doesn't have to be weird and confrontational. I mean, I I think at some point what what you ultimately want to do when you're having um, vision and quality control is you want to have a team of people who are united about uh, uh, communicating to all of the people in your ministry about how Valuable this is, and let's spur each other on. We're gonna have zero errors this week when it comes to the lyric on the screen. We're gonna have zero blackouts when it comes to microphones because we didn't change all the batteries and we thought, oh, maybe we can get away with it for one more service. You know what I'm saying? We're not gonna we have zero, like people holding up that banner and saying, listen. People matter, and because they matter, we wanna do things with excellence. That that doesn't mean we demand perfection out of everybody, but we do demand that they give their 100%. And so, just casting that vision, and ultimately having a group of people to cast it for you so that you're not the disciplinarian, Um, A lot of times when you're the leader, it's hard to be the disciplinarian, so you almost have to have that assistant principal who will do that for you, and then you can play bad cop, good cop, you know what I'm saying, until that culture is so clear that the culture holds itself accountable, and so whatever you got to do to um, get there, do it, but it's worth it when you have quality, because when I see quality in a ministry, I cannot help but to throw money at that ministry. It's just a fact. Yeah, I don't throw money um, on a uh, to be a spark. I throw it on a, I throw it on a fire that I want to flame up even bigger. it's yeah, good. And so fuel goes where the fire is in our church. And if you don't have excellence, then you're not ready for fuel. If that makes sense. So casting vision to your church, to your team to the point where your senior pastor cannot help but to look at your ministry. I actually had a I had a, a media director who was so good at recruiting volunteers it was like unheard of like she could get like dozens and dozens and dozens of people to the point where she's like we'll have to launch a magazine and I'm like do we have that many graphic designers and she's like I'll find them." and she did and it was like incredible and it was like I I loved that because it was. I, I had to react to that. It was a beautiful thing. But she was always casting a bigger vision. Like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this? Let's make it impossible for for our church to overlook this ministry. And and she did it. Other people they just begged me for money and said, can you come in and, and or stop yelling at us because we never get the mics turned on or the lyrics right. And I, I I hate being in that position. And in those situations, I needed to swap out the leader because that was really the issue. Is you know, leaders' number one job is recruitment and vision, and um, if you can do those things well, again, resources will come. Uh, how about maybe one or two more, and then, uh, yeah. Uh, my question is, my pastor,
1: we, we're doing a uh, portable church right now. Okay, portable he church. He's taking on a lot of responsibility. Like he does a lot like he does the uh, Pro Presenter because they're yep. on the computer yep and I'm volunteering to help him out in the production side
0: way to go good
1: and uh, basically I'm just wondering like I haven't talked to him about this but I was wondering if uh, would you recommend that he allow me to take some of that software home because I wanted to kind of like take some of the burden off his shoulder yep you know what I'm saying where he can be free to do other things
0: right how do you how do you help them?
1: yeah like how can i help him because i don't have any uh, i have a laptop computer yeah but i don't want to like give you your computer yep like, uh.
0: that's a great question and and actually i had a lot of volunteers who wanted me to delegate to them and i just wouldn't or couldn't and part of the reason why i couldn't was because i had certain values that i just knew this person doesn't fully understand my values and i don't even have the time to even explain it all And yet what I actually needed was not people to like tell me what to delegate, but to ask how they could serve me. And as they would just, so I would encourage you, go to your senior pastor and say, hey, what burdens can I take off your shoulders this week? And even if he doesn't fully give you everything that you're hoping for, just you you even being faithful, I, like the, actually it was Nate Puccini, our executive, he just kept doing that with me, asking me, what can I unburden you with? And over time, you know, you're like, ah, uh, you know, you're always in that pinch, and I realized, I mean, I used to do it all. I, I designed a website, I did all of our graphic slides, I edited it all of videos. It was ridiculous. And of course, for me, I'm also so picky about it, it was hard for me to delegate it. And a lot of the people that wanted me to delegate it to them, they weren't at the... They weren't at the- up to par and so I had to actually create a delegation rule if somebody could do eighty percent of the quality that I could do, then delegate it. If they're less than eighty, I'll just get mad at them and I'll I'll turn down everything they produce. You know what I mean? Because they just don't they don't understand it and I haven't spent enough time sharing DNA with them. And so if they're below eighty you'll frustrate them, they'll frustrate you. If they're above eighty then I should have delegated it to them a long time ago. And so um a lot of time so but your job is to ask your pastor what eighty percent looks like. And why? Like, whatever you do for them, have your pastor critique it and make it easy for them to do that. So that way, because people that don't welcome critique uh, are slower on the promotable scale. Okay? Because uh, teachability is the ability to relearn that which you already know. And I think that, that uh, a lot of musicians and artists are not teachable because it's my arts. Don't teach me. I have a degree. Oh, my gosh. I hear that so often. I don't care if you have a degree, you're terrible at art. You know what I'm saying, like, don't, don't tell me that. Uh, well, you know, you know what I'm saying, just being honest. Uh, ask me why I don't like the graphic design thing you did for... because there's a thought that's not even readable, you know what I'm saying? Or ask me why I don't like the motion graphic that you did um, for that, because it literally caused little kids to convulse, you know, after yeah. you just yeah. in their eyes you know what I'm saying? Like, ask me, and then I can feed back to you, and then I can delegate quicker. And I think the delegation process happens faster when, so in some ways, the greatest asset you can be to your pastors is constantly serve him, but ask him to critique things, and ask other people to ask your pastor to critique things so that he can delegate faster. Because actually, the more you can get your pastor to extrovert why he does what he does, why he controls what he controls, the sooner he'll stop, or the sooner he'll start releasing it. And so, um, I don't know if that makes any sense. I don't know if that helps you, but over time, your pastor will make the investment in you because he really believes that you've got the shoulders. And sometimes it's you just proving to your pastor that you're not going to leave him. I can't tell you how many people would ask me to delegate. And on the moment, I wouldn't delegate to them within six months. They're taking, whatever, they're taking their ball to a different play field and so I would purposely be slow to delegate just for that reason alone and I think church fighters can also be gone shy about because it happens a lot and so just prove faithful and I, I really believe that your pastor is going to invest big time in you So more more question right here come on was that? That was awesome. alright this microphone is coming down your row and you can how do you do all of that you just said and still give over ownership How does the creative leader still feel like they have ownership if it really is about the pastor's vision? Yep. Okay, that's a great question. What's so tricky about creative arts is that it's technically the pastor's vision, and you have to remember that. Because the pastor, like, we always call it, um, so for example, in our church culture, uh, we have this language called the sunset, okay? The sunset is the vision. And everybody, when you say, imagine a sunset, everybody sees a different sunset. Some people see a sunset in Colorado. Other people see a sunset in Texas. Other people, like I see a Puerto Vallarta sunset, you know what I'm saying? The the mountains off of it and the cove. And some people, when they see a sunset, if you said paint a sunset, some people would paint in pastels. Other people would paint in blazy oranges and primary colors. The point is, is that God has given me the sunset and I have to paint through other people's hands, and so the, the tricky thing about that process is people are constantly painting things in purple when I'm not a purple guy. You know what I'm saying? Even though I live by the Minnesota Vikings. You know what I'm saying? You think I would be. But I just, sometimes there's these subjective things and you just got to be able to, I, I need to, so whenever I delegate anything, I always tell our graphic designers, your job is to waste time creating all sorts of great ideas that I can kill. <laughs> And then one out of ten, I'm going to love it. And you're going to love it. Do you understand your job is to waste time and, and we're communicating back and forth about this process. If you're going to be frustrated about this, let's not even do this. Let's just actually, you just keep doing your art on the side. You mean, you mean the artists, the individual artists that never works as a part of a team. All collaborative art requires compromise and communication. It requires people to get rid of their ego. And all great media projects require compromise. Artists tend to be, all individ- a lot of them tend to be very individualistic with their art, and so I actually, this is one of the primary things that I, that I will not pull anybody onto our worship team or our media teams or anything if they aren't capable of allowing me to totally squash their art and step on it on a regular basis. And so we, we tell people, it's kind of like Hillsong. Uh, they always say, don't ever use the expression, God gave me this song, um, no, God gave you the ability to write songs. Because if you start playing the God card, then I can't critique it without critiquing God. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, and I always love that expression because uh, in our media, I want to have teachable teams and, and because the sooner I can have that conversation, like nine times out of ten I can just say, here's what I didn't like about it and here's what I am wanting more out of that service. So, yeah, I thought there was way too much light on the stage or I thought the, it was the, the motion video was way too subtle or way too dizzy and I'm able to make, and then automatically they start seeing the sunset and start feeling it well. We have that spirit of unity. Let me tell you, unity around a bad Idea will bear ten times more fruit than disunity with brilliant ideas within a church. And unfortunately there's a whole lot of churches with a bunch of independent contractors. And we just get rid of that. Get rid of that. Because we our goal is to be something great together. Beautiful that will cause the Lord to be glorified. Yeah. And so um, just, I, people will eventually get ownership because I'm delegating faster than ever and now they feel more valued than ever. Why? Because we've gone through the trenches together. I've been able to rip on the songwriting and actually also affirm the songwriting. I've been able to, uh, and, and so now we're truly in sync. And I'm delegating faster than I've ever delegated. And it's not because I was bad at delegating, it's because I have better followers who understand have, or asking better questions about the sunset what's the sunset what's the sunset what's the sunset after does that make sense all right, all right Joe so,
1: so we have um, time just for one more question
0: all right one does more does
1: anyone have a question all right so all right here you go so what do you do let's just say you have
0: well we have a old system so we want to upgrade but we don't have budget for it. So what, what would you do for lighting, for sound, for video to really just actually build something that's, that's going to give you the quality give you the sound and the lighting that you need yep. on a little budget? Yep. This Okay, best thing you can do is find somebody who does it better than you do with the same budget. And there's always somebody. There's like like when we first went video venue church, we decided to go investigate video venue churches and of course, you know, first churches we went to and we were like, what's the cheapest we could do this for? Well, I don't think you can do this for less than one point three million because you gotta and they just and I'm like, one point three million? Like you gotta be kidding me. And so then I went to another church. Well we did it I don't think you could do it for less than eight hundred thousand, but I think you could do it for eight hundred thousand. And I'm like, eight hundred thousand? That's still like and so then I, you know, I found a church that could do it for 500000 and then we figured out how to do all HD for like 200000 And yeah, it was a, it was a bit ghetto fab, and it was a little, it wasn't necessarily easy for volunteers, but you know what, there's always a cheaper way to do it. So my, my, my the simplest way to answer that, uh, without getting super tedious and technical, is um, what are your dreams, who's living out your dreams, and what are you doing to earn the right to be around that person? and so there's somebody in this room who does everything better and that's what I love about the ARC is it's some of the most brilliant no-namers in the United States who have figured it out. Why? Because what's great about a church planning organization is everybody's entrepreneurial and experimental and when you're around a bunch of entrepreneurs, they just always find some weird way to do it without a budget and I love that because I can't tell you, I feel like every single time I have a conversation, you need to, you need to all meet each other and get to know each other, and you're going to all of a sudden find out all of the strengths and all the insight is right in this room that, that you need. So don't, don't necessarily go to Gateway or Hillsong or somebody who's like 12 steps ahead. Go to somebody who's just one step ahead and ask them, what are you doing? And like, they'll, chances are, they'll give you that one idea that will solve 60% of your problems. It will never solve 100%, but it will solve 60% of your problems. Taking you to that next level without you having to spend, you know, your whole nest egg. So, does that make sense? So, what are your dreams? Who's living out your dreams? And what are you doing to earn the right to be around that person? If you can find that person, you, sometimes you've got to shake a lot of hands and hang out in a foyer a long time at an art conference before you find them. But I believe that God, if you're praying about meeting that person, God will cause those divine appointments to occur, amen? Yeah. Right, let me pray over you guys. Father, I just thank you for all of the creative people in this room. And we just trust you that at the proper time, we're going to reap a harvest. And Lord, you provide seed to the sower. You provide seed to the sower, your word says. That means you provide tools to the people who need tools. And so Lord, we're just going to get busy doing good deeds so that you feel compelled to give us more tools and toys. But Lord, we realize what it's really all about. It's about glorifying you and winning for the landly rewards of your suffering. And so, Father, I just pray that you give us churches worthy of more resources and assets that we would live a life worthy of the calling that you've given us. And I pray that you bless your servants in this realm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen? Amen. Thank you guys for coming. <laughs>
1: Before you to, to your next session, um, which starts at 3, the next app session, um, I want to encourage you guys. I mean, the ark is all about relationships. And uh, just like Pastor Peter has said, there is somebody in this room that has some insight that you can use, that you can utilize, that can make a difference. you where you're at. So before you guys go, I want to encourage you, whether during the hallway, get somebody's number, get connected with somebody, and just continue to do that throughout this conference and you'll see that that's the way you can get the most out of it. It's not going to be through the main sessions. It's not even going to be through this... like he didn't give us an answer, but he gave us a greater answer kind of thing. It's going to be in the relationship with the people next to you. So guys, it starts at 3 p.m. Get some phone numbers. We love you guys. We believe in what you guys are doing. Thank you very much. That's good.
0: Good to see you, man.
1: Amém.